This is episode 19 with Brian Camp, my father. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it's my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today's guest is my role model in both swimming and in my life, my father. He swam growing up and eventually went on to swim at Towson University, setting multiple school records along the way. Now, since his collegiate career, he's gotten into coaching of all ages at all levels. He's coached kids from learning how to swim all the way across the pool to qualifying for Olympic trials. The past 40 years of his life have been dedicated to helping young athletes realize their true potential and learn more about themselves through the sport of swimming. We talk about a lot, but mainly we focus in on how to deal with different athletes and finding the coaching style that meshes best with different personalities. So without further ado, Dan, welcome on. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to get into things here. And, you know, you've coached me in my life, um, only summer coach that I ever had. But <laughs> it's cool to hear, you know, your perspective from the other side of things here. Um, so, you know, I, I gave that introduction here, but how would you sum up your coaching experience and background and what would you really say defines you best as a coach? Well, it was the coaching. It just, I just sort of fell into it. I, I swam my whole life and during college, it was the, it was the perfect summer job. I thought it was going to end when, when college ended, but, uh, I found after college that, uh, I really liked working with kids. So I can I continued coaching in the summer, got involved with a club team in 1981, RMSC, and uh, eventually I became a uh, social studies teacher in the Montgomery County Public School System, which was a great job in itself, but it also allowed me to continue coaching at the club level and still at the summer level. Um, I would say what defines me as a coach, there was once someone who said that... Uh, I was, one thing that I was really, really good at was promoting the sport of swimming. I was a great cheerleader for the sport. Um, I feel that I can really get kids to enjoy the sport. Even today, at the age of 62, I've gotten a, at least four or five families on, on my own street here involved with the sport. So much so that they uh, have gone from just being on the summer swim team to uh, competing with RMSC uh, uh, year-round in the wintertime. Um, eventually that, you know, evolves into, into, into bigger goals, such as qualify for junior nationals and Olympic trials. Um, I remember once getting a nine-year-old kid about 30 years ago, just to swim in the wintertime, be a good backup swimmer the next year for a, a faster kid. Little did I know in the year 2000, this kid would qualify, you know, uh, third Olympic trials, uh, in the mile. So uh, you never know what can happen. Yeah, I think especially as a summer coach, mainly, I guess, getting your feet wet there, your biggest goal is to just get the kids to enjoy the sport. Um, I kind of get that from you with my own coaching. I want to always impart on people, you know, you got to enjoy it first because you can't do anything. You can't do any hard work if you don't enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, that's the foundation I try to preach to kids. Uh, each athlete, though, and each age of athlete is unique. So when you work with different ones, what would you say 
you know, unique challenges that each age group presents. And what's been your biggest challenge as a coach? Well, I would say with, with younger kids especially, whether it's a young little minis, you know, your eight and unders, uh, summer team, winter team, uh, on through the middle school ages, keep them focused, you know, keeping just keeping kids of that age focused uh, while teaching them proper stroke techniques goes a long way. Um, boy, you make a couple stroke improvements, you'll see lots of time drop. Teaching kids how to race. Most younger kids love this. Gosh, you know, you get them up, you know, let's, let's race at the end of practice or during sets. They love it. They bring lots of energy to practice and meets. Older kids, technique is still important, but you need to train them more. Um, they have other distractions in their lives, which I guess we'll get into later on, but, uh, uh, not only with the technique, but they need to put the hard work in. They need to make several practices a week and put the work into each practice. And that's got to be done consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like it's a fine line of pushing and, you know, when to keep pushing and when not to push them any further. Um, I guess recently you were, I mean, have been telling me some challenges you've been facing as a coach. How did you work through those and what solutions do you have to people out there listening? Well, you know, a couple things here. You know, with younger kids, you know, I think it all starts with, you know, being properly, properly prepared uh, for a meet. You know, it's like I said before, it's the hard work, especially for the older kids, which you put in before a meet here. With younger kids, we do, we practice actually a set meet warm-up, which focuses on, your walls, your turns, your starts, um, uh, stroke drills. And we, we do that maybe three or four times during the week before a big meet. So when the kids get to the meet, they know exactly what they need to, need to do and why they're doing it. Older kids, uh, similar, but we, we give them a little bit more latitude. They can develop their their, their, their own warm-up. You got to get the kids to, uh, to, you know, get the kids to believe in, in themselves and what you are doing as a coach so that they trust you and they're more willing to take a chance. You know, if they believe in you as a coach that you're doing the right thing and you have their best interest, you know, in mind, they will take the chance and they will go out. They'll believe in what you what you say to them and they they will race. They will perform. Yeah, it's, I I think that's the biggest challenge on the athlete side of things is learning how to trust your coach and knowing that they have your best interests. But when you're fortunate fortunate enough to have that coach that is you know a great coach the worst thing you can do is doubt them and I think every athlete gets to that at some point in their career um hopefully they can overcome it now from the coaching side of things though you mentioned finding like your unique warm-up and all that is there anything through your experience that you've learned to help those athletes you know maybe guide them to some sort of self-discovery of what does work for them or doesn't work for them? You know, uh, sometimes it's sort of like just sort of trial and error, you know. yeah. We once told a kid, oh, you know, you can do this, you know. Boy, you can break five minutes for five minutes freestyle based on what you're doing in practice and just blew this kid's mind. Mm. And we were probably better off, you know, saying something. It's, it's I guess it's the, the approach. Probably better off saying, you know, that – Boy, you've been doing. You've been holding, you know, 
one oh twos and hundred freestyle on you know you know a set of ten on one twenty consistently for weeks. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I mean that's you know that's it translates to X. Right? Yeah, that translates to X. You could do this to me. And if with certain kids, if you just focus on that, the end result will take care of itself. They will the time will drop. If you tell some some kids, if you tell them, well, you should be going, you know. They're going to freak out. 430 for 500 freestyle, and they've never broken, you know, 450 before. They're going to freak out, even if they could do it. So uh, there's different ways of getting them to do the same thing. It's just maybe how you talk to a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you talk to them, too. Because I think if you tell that swimmer, you know, weeks out from the meet, hey, based off of your last month of training, look, you can go. I think you can go this start putting that seed in their head then a confidence build so then by the time that taper meet comes around yeah they be- they actually believe that that five minute barrier is doable to be broken rather than you know springing that on them at the meet itself hey you can break five minutes today and they're like i'm not dropping time no way i didn't i didn't expect to do that yeah absolutely i think that uh you have to have that game plan, especially for distance distance events, whether it's the 400 IM or the 500 freestyle or the 1,000. Uh, mm. You need to have that conversation a couple weeks ahead of time. You know, this is what we, you know, what you can do, and we can talk about that, practice those things. Uh, and part of it also is to get these kids, you know, a lot of kids don't want to take a chance. You know, I mean, I've seen it with little kids. We had a meet last weekend where we had some kids that, it could be a hundred breaststroke, but they're going to go out in the first fifty at ninety percent. It's like, why go ninety percent? We had, we had kids that, you know, the ones that went out and raced from the start, even if they sort of died at the end or you know got tired at the end, they're the ones who had the better times. You know, they took a ch- they took a chance at the beginning of the race. Now, if you go out ninety percent, yeah, you you'll come back fast, but you never know. What you could have gone. What you could have gone. Absolutely. You won't know your, your true potential. You know, anybody can go out there and just go at a slower pace and come home fast at the end, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and slowly chip away. But I'd rather see a kid go out and uh, take a chance at the beginning. And if they die somewhere, we, we can we can analyze that, take a look at that and say, okay, this is where we need to work on, the, the middle part of the race, you know. Uh, yeah, we need to... We need to figure out how to get you to break through those mental and physical barriers. Because I've mm-hmm. told the kids, whether it's a 50 free, 100 free, a 500 free, 200 breaststroke, at some point in the race, you're going to be tired. You're going to get tight. You, you know, it's going to, you know, you're going to start to tighten up. And uh, teaching, we need to teach these kids how to be physically and mentally tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you an example. We, this practice, I've, uh, you know. Uh, taken on as an assistant coach this fall uh, these senior uh, high school kids they want to stretch all the time every time it gets sore they want to get out of the pool and hang on hang on the, the chin-up bar and it's just like geez in the middle of a set you can get out and hang and so what we what we've done now rather than you know I don't want to break these kids you never do that in, in front of anybody or you know um, I tell me the that they need to be tough. You know, you have to learn how to swim, push through this, because hmm. once you're able to do that mentally, 
that that goes a long way into translating into faster times later on because you know what you'll know in a race boy when the going gets tough in the you know at the 350 or 400 mark in a 500 freestyle you'll know hey you know what i know i i can do this i've pushed through it in practice i can do it today so getting back to practices you know if the kids want to stretch they can stretch in between sets you know or during breaks but we don't allow the kids to get out of the pool and stretch or stop that kind of thing. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to touch on there that you brought up. One being studies have shown that um, with athletes and specifically more in runners, uh, but I think that can translate very well to swimmers in general too, just the longer distance athletes, you know, middle distance and all that. They've shown that when athletes kind of take that chance and push that pace at the start right from the get-go, you know, they might not always go best time, but their likelihood of hitting an absolute like home run of a performance and completely blowing away their previous lifetime best odds drastically increase. Um, and I feel like I we've talked about this the other day. I remember there's a meet um, back in high school where me and my buddy Jack Foster were racing a mile, and it was just a random meet and. It was the November Open or something. Not a meet that you would expect anything right, special. Right, right. Um, but I think that was when Jack and I both learned this kind of approach of why not today? Why not the November Open? Why do we have to wait until Junior Nationals to do a best time? And then I both went lifetime best in the mile that day. You know, untapered, unshaved. I think that was a real breakthrough moment for both of us. Yeah, I think sometimes the kids, uh, some of those off meets, those qualifier meets and things like that, there's less mental pressure and the kids can get best times and it gives them a chance to maybe some some off events. Mm. And, you know, you get a best time, a couple best times in some of your off events. That helps you mentally, I think, focus, you know, for your, your better events in, in the bigger meets. And, you know... I think as you, I think you've touched upon here, make the most of every, every of every opportunity you have, and it's not just the big meets. If there's you know, you know, 15 meets during the course of a season here, every time you go out there, what's the point of being in the meet if you're not going to try your best? Mm. And I think the the importance of those additional reps are so overlooked oftentimes by people that are you know newer to the sport. And like why does this why does this high school meet matter? I'm, I swim RMSC year round. Why am I caring about this Saturday afternoon meet? Well, why don't you shift your focus to okay? This Saturday afternoon is just a, another opportunity to learn something. I mean, you talked about mental toughness and learning that mental toughness. You're going to be faced with that at the end of the year. But if it's a foreign concept at that taper meet, when you finally do hit that true like make or break moment in your race and you haven't hit it yet before that season, odds are you're going to kind of crumple under the pressure and, you know, dial back a little bit and revert back to that comfort zone. So if you use each and every meet or even each and every practice, each and every rep and every set as an opportunity to embrace that opportunity to get out of your comfort zone, you're going to find... By the time you are out of your comfort zone in a race at the end of the year, it's the biggest meet of the year. So what? You've done it now a thousand times in the past year. Who cares? 
you're right where you should be. And people don't realize that oftentimes, I feel like. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I've seen, especially younger kids, you know, you do something in practice, you know, you, you race each other. I mentioned it earlier, little kids especially love to race. What's more satisfying than, than boy, in practice, you've done a best time. So you know when he gets the meet, you can't wait because with the block yeah. and with, you know, the lights on, you're going to, you know, you're pumped up. You're going to crush that time, and it will probably transfer or, you know, over to other events, too. It should. I mean, we've also seen the other side of things, too, where kids seem to go best times in practice because there's no pressure. And that pressure gets put on right um, in the meet. I do still want to touch on mental toughness, though, and, you know, there is a fine line between being mentally tough and helping kids improve that mental toughness and kind of pushing them to, you know, a little bit too far. How would you say you decipher when an athlete really can't give any more in a practice or competition and when they're just giving up or so? Okay, yeah. I, to, to help the kids, you know, develop that mental toughness and to help them push through barriers, um, I try to vary the practices, and, and I've talked to other coaches uh, around the region who do, do the same thing. Uh, I try to vary the practices and the sets to constantly challenge the kids to be mentally tough without pushing them too far. You know, it, it's I can anybody can write a practice where boy, this is tough, and, and it's you know it's it's a hard set to make the interval that kind of thing. But if you do that and the kid fails after one or two swims, then they sort of just you know then they're just swimming up and down the pool. So you have to look at the kid, devise a set for a group, and to make it challenging enough where, you know, say for instance, if we're doing 10 100 freestyles on 120, you know, if I just say 10 100 freeze on 120, some kids will swim to the interval. They'll just swim, they'll make it. They'll do 10 on 115, and they'll feel happy. If I say the goal of this set is to, you know, and the hero is where I can divide things up. Some kids I can say, your goal is to go 59 on all 10. Or your goal is, you know, this, these great kids should go, you know, hold 102s. Another group of kids, they're holding 107s. That's, that's good for them. So everybody has something they can achieve. And uh, that's one way to help those kids, you know, learn how to be mentally tough without pushing them too far. And they feel really good. You know, I've had some kids, they get in, some of these high school kids, they've got to practice. Boy, Brian, I've, I really like that practice today. That was a great set, you know. And, you know, not just because I designed it, it's because, it's because they accepted a challenge and, and, and made it, mm -hmm. you know. And um, maybe next time I can maybe do five on 115, you know, holding a different, a different goal, you know. As I said before, you know, you, you got to get these kids to learn how to swim hard when they're tired because in a race, doesn't matter what the distance is, at some point in a race, you're going to be tired. Mm -hmm. So how do you swim fast when you get tired? That's, that's the key for any age, any race, any distance, um, you know. No matter ability yeah. either. For ability. Whatever yeah. level you Whatever. are. Absolutely. So, um, you know, if you do that often enough, those kinds of sets, you will develop, you know, or the kids will develop, you know, mental and physical toughness. Um, I try to help the kids not to break, not, not to give up. Mm -hmm. I have had some kids that, um, 
I feel it that have checked out, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm 16 years old. My, my best days were behind me. Okay. Get them to think of other goals. Yeah, maybe it's not the best time, but maybe they're in a relay. You know, it's a summer meet. They're in a relay. It's like, you know, gosh, I need you to some fastest relay. We can win the meet. Mm. Or if you get third place instead of fifth, you know, that will, you know, that's three extra points for the team. And if you break down different goals, it doesn't always have to be times, you know. Sometimes the kids, if they know they're doing it for the team, that's a big motivator. Mm-hmm. Not just, well... You know, because sometimes if you win the race, it's not your best time. You still feel good because you won the race for the team. Yeah. So there, the, there's different ways you can approach things, and, and, I, and I do that constantly depending upon the kid, the age, where they are, you know, mentally, physically, that kind of thing. I feel like that's the, I mean, obviously a challenge of being a coach. <laughs> the, fun, the fun part, I feel like, is knowing when when you finally figure that out when to spin it a certain way depending on who you're talking to um one of you know in my experiences i'm a firm believer that everyone should get to know their numbers and what works for them like i said when we've touched on it every swimmer is going to be unique every athlete's going to be unique and what i mean by that is you know something might work for me that doesn't work for someone else uh, there's not a universal solution for all athletes, especially when it comes to preparation. I think one of the biggest helps for me in my own career was when we were given a template meet warm-up um, in the NES group back in high school. Um, but we were also given that freedom to kind of adjust it to meet your own unique needs. So that's something that you've seen change over time with your time with RMSC. Has it always been set meet warm-up and that's been a shift in the past 40 years or... With our with our um, middle school, you know, our advanced junior group, uh, the nine to twelve year olds, we we've pretty much we have 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 had lots of success um, with that set meet warm up. Four years ago, we had a, a nine ten girls freestyle relay set national record in their tuner freestyle relay, and uh, the guy I coach with, Brian Cheng, you know. Um, came up with this set meet warm-up and uh, we have been using that and it's, you know, when something works, you go with it. Now, we, we, we've we varied it and, and, you know, over the years, but we, we, we have a set warm-up. And uh, as you said before, when you move up to the NDGs, the NTGs, the older level kids, uh, national level groups, you know, you might be given a template where you have more freedom to, you know, to do what you want to do because at that that level you know you're a distance freestyler you know you're a 400 im or you're 200 breaststroker you know at the age of 10 you could be yeah (laughs) you you could be a pack stroker today and a breaststroker two years later you know so you you never can tell i think that's a a really good point um obviously you guys had a lot of success with the advanced junior group and all that but it's i think one of the things hidden things with that set meet warm-up that people might overlook is that it's a great just reminder to no matter what you're going through at the time you know obviously not too much goes on in a 10 year old's life but having that consistency and that continuity of meet warm-up their body has now been preconditioned to be like okay lights are on it's go time we're going through this and that means it's time to perform in a half hour an hour um and just that added repetition helps out. 
Right, right. I mean, when, when, it's, when it's game time, you want the kids to get up there and race. You don't want them to get up there and think to themselves, okay, I need to do a streamlined three dolphin kicks. I need to uh, yeah. you know, go fast in my turns. That should be automatic at that point. That's not the time you think of tight right. street lines and right. rolling to do dolphin kicks and all that. Um, now, Scott Hamilton once said, you know, under pressure you can perform about 15% better or worse. Kind of just how pressure affects different athletes. You can either crumble under pressure or let that you know, really fuel your performance. I want to talk about pressure situations and how you really develop your kids to handle them. Is there anything, you know, in particular that you've done in your coaching career that might best prepare athletes for when those lights are turning on? Well, you know, it, it varies. It could be a, something as simple as a, as a, a summer swim meet. You know, those meets, boy, you know, I think between the two teams, you know, there's a total of uh, – Seven, eight hundred, eight hundred points that can be scored on a typical Saturday morning meet, and uh, I might need a kid to get fifth place rather than sixth place in in the fifty free stop. Fifth place is one point, sixth place is zero points. So I, I started this thing. I got this from another coach years ago, um, where I give out crunch bars to kids. I call them crunch swims. You don't have to be the fastest kid on the team. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, do a best time. But it's a great motivator. Those kids got there and the lights are on that, you know, my gosh, I want, I want a crunch bar. I haven't gotten one all summer. And uh, I'm going to beat this kid next to me. And uh, you get a couple points for the team and you, there might be a good chance you get that crunch bar. You know, other kids at the RMSC, you know, the, 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 the year-round clubs, some of the bigger meets, we tell the kids that they are prepared, and we tell the older kids the same thing. You know, you've put the work in. If you've attended practice, not just attending practice, but you've attended practice, put the work in during the sets. You have come to the meet with a game plan for your races, and, you know, you have a set warm-up. You know you'll swim well. What you have to do at that point is don't overthink your races at that point. It's all about energy, you know. And I know we had talked about this with the. Uh, I know that Brian Cheng brought this up the other night with uh, the advanced junior group uh, after we, they did really, really well this past weekend, and uh, he had said something about. And I had I agree with him. This positive energy, come wanting to race. Okay, that's the whole point of of, of competitive swimming is to race, <laughs> race the person next to you. Chances are, if you race that person next to you, not only will you get a best time. But you might make finals if it's a, if it's a trials or, you know, or prelims finals meet. You know, why go out at 90%? You'll never know what your potential is. Go out there and race each and every time. Um, as I said before, you know, take that chance. Um, we also tell the kids this. Some days of this past weekend, it was a four-day meet. We had one kid who was sick one day. She didn't perform real well. Came back the next day. Each day is a new day. Just because you were sick one day doesn't mean you can't go fast the next day. By the last day of the meet, this kid, she ended up qualifying first in the in prelims in the 53, 9, 10 girls, and won the event that night. Two days earlier, she was sick and did terrible. Mm. Um, so, you know, 
you know, one, one, one sick day, you know, doesn't mean, or one bit, you know, doesn't mean you can't perform well the next time, you know, and I tell the kids all the time, one bad race does not define a meet either. And yeah, for some kids, you tell them, you know, it was a long meet, but you had a really, yeah, you had one best time. It was a really good time. That defined it. So therefore, you had a good meet. Mm. Uh, it gets them, you know, it gets them pumped up for, for later on, you know, for the next meet and, and for, you know, getting back to the hard work and practice. And I think, you know, I learned in high school to be, you know, short-term memory a little bit about some swims. It seemed for a little while, it was like every year, that thousand freestyle on Thursday night just like <laughs> didn't go well, you know? And it was like, oh my God, I could let that one, that first swim dictate how the rest of the weekend was going to go. I think once athletes realize, you know, each swim is unique, it's it's separate from what the next one will be, don't let it weigh you down. I don't re- think about it as you go into that next one. I think for a while that thousand freestyle became your warm-up event for the rest of the meet. You know, we, we knew if you at least swam the thousand free, no matter what you did, you would do well the rest of the meet. You just, yeah. had, to, you know, you just had to get through that thousand. Yeah, definitely. And... You know, you touched on it about swimming being a prelim final meet or sport um, occasionally. And I think probably in your experience, definitely in mine, you've had athletes that seem to drop a ton of time at night. And then, you know, others that go much slower than they did in the qualifying period. Kind of piggybacking off that, that pressure question. From a coaching perspective, what can you really attribute to those phenomenons of... Those swimmers. I think the kids that really perform well at night are the kids that really love to race. Um, you know, most of the kids, you know, um, especially the younger kids, they don't have the luxury of going easy in the morning to make it back at night. You know, coaching a high school team years ago, and I think it cost us the Metro Championship. We lost by two points. I had a kid, she sort of cruised in the morning, and in 200 IM, she qualified for the console finals. At night, she won it. Her time at night would have gotten her in the finals, which would have given us enough points to, you know, to win the meet. And the lesson learned, and the next year, this kid did great. We won Metros the following year. But the the lesson learned was that, uh, you know, look at prelims and finals is you have two chances that day to swim that, to get two best times. You know, most kids or all these kids, if you've gotten that far, have put lots of hard work, you know, into training for weeks, you know, leading up to the meet. Why go 90%, you know, in the morning, you know, and maybe maybe not even make it back that night? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you make, and then once you've qualified for finals, what do you do afterwards? You know, after prelims, you know. The, uh, did you go out to McDonald's and celebrate and get a big, you know, a, a, you know, a big soda and some chicken nuggets and, uh, and and some fries, or, you know, do you get a proper warm down after the after the prelims? You go home, you get some rest, you know, you uh, eat something sort of light, a little bit of protein, and you know, have lots of water and that kind of thing, and, and come back mentally prepared. And I find the kids that do that perform well at night. I still remember making my first finals for me. I think it was Tom Dolan. Um, 
down in December, down in George Mason. We had no idea what we were going to do, so we ended up going to Outback Steakhouse for lunch to celebrate. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, you were you ruined my day. I, I had planned on uh, you know going to Home Depot and getting some stuff and doing all of this yard work, and it's like okay, we don't have time to go home now. What do we do? Uh, <laughs> Outback Steakhouse, it is. Outback Steakhouse, and which wasn't the best. We didn't know the area. We we weren't we weren't ready for that. Yeah. Um, I was nine years old. That yes. we had some time after that. Now. I want to talk on distractions next. And, you know, distractions can oftentimes be detrimental to athletes. You know, and a lot of the kids that you've coached over the years have been high schoolers, and even the current group that you are doing now. Have you ever noticed, you know, great talents or great potential become derailed due to outside influences? And as a coach, how do you handle when that kind of situation is, is happening or has happened? Yeah, I've seen kids that, you know, done really well you know in the younger years and as they get older more things you know come into your life okay you get to high school and all of a sudden boy those classes in school are tougher you're taking AP classes by the time you're 10th and 11th grade you you might have a job you know uh, some kids have internships and jobs other activities come up they want to try other sports and unlike when I was a kid Every sport these days is a year-round sport. I am competing with other coaches or trying to convince the, the, the same group of kids, play soccer for me all year round. Play fall ball for baseball this fall. And I'm trying to get these kids, no, swim. And uh, I try to convince the kids, you know, that you're really good at swimming. And... You know, if I really feel that that is their best sport, I, I tell them, you know, you can be really good at one thing, such as swimming, or you can be mediocre or just good at several sports. What mm -hmm. would you rather do? Excel at one thing, be really, really top-notch at one thing, or just be okay at several things? And uh, I try to get those kids to, I try to get the kids to, to think, you know, think along those lines. Some kids tend to think, you know, things overthink things they try to rely less on their coach maybe as they get older and try to do things their own way you know and you try to get, need to get get those kids back in you know and get them back on the on the same same plane. wavelength as you yes <laughs> yeah and at this point it seems like you've coached tens of thousands of different athletes um is there something in particular that you notice in those that go on to separate themselves from the normal athlete that you normally come across and is it unique or is there something that's kind of a blueprint that you could try to recreate with all all the athletes you've worked with the ones who seem to separate themselves you know and i've seen the the kids boy you know they're eight years old and i had four girls at, at all stars in the summer league they were on a medley relay team these four girls and they they won their medley relay and they did the same thing at 10 and they were really close at 12. By the time they were 14, two of the kids had dropped out of swimming. You, you know, things had, but a couple of them kept, 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 kept going on. And I find that the ones who really continued on with the sport, and you have to remember, it, the swimming is a long game, unlike other sports, where you can just hop into high school football or baseball and, and play for three or four years and, you know, and be top-notch. Swimming, 
very rarely does somebody start at the age of 16 and, and, and excel and move on to college. It's, it's you know, something you've done for many, many years. And uh, the ones that tend to separate themselves by the time they get to high school are the ones that uh, really love the sport. They really, truly enjoy it. They love it. They've established lots of friends. Uh, they have lots of relationships. And they've found the right balance, okay, in their lives between their school life, their, their swim life. And, uh, and they, they listen to and believe in what their coaches uh, say. I think that's really well said. And definitely what I've noticed, too, with the people that I've grown up with swimming and, you know, now on the coaching side of things I've seen. You know, when it really comes down to it, I think your attitude and your mindset approach is really kind of everything. It's kind of make or break. How do you handle those attitude or those athletes that might not have the best attitude or have a bad attitude? What I try to do is take them aside, you know, maybe, you know, in between sets or during a break. And, you know, could be something as little as, hey, you know what? I know last weekend wasn't your best swim, you know, in the, in the 100 backstroke. But today I see your walls look really, really good, you know, and you try to build up try to change that mental approach, you know, you try, because that's what a bad attitude is. And, you know, gosh, you know, I, I've seen you really crank up, you know, those swims when, when you're on a relay. I think you can still do that in, in, in the 100 back or the 200 back stroke. So you try, you try to point out little things to get them to sort of, uh, you know, jump start, you know, or, you know, refocus, work on a, you know, work on a faster start, you know, win, win, win something for the team, improve your walls. Um, and we have, we have little contests like today. We had a, a little contest where the kids stood by the flags facing the wall and they were doing flip turns or other stroke turns and coming off the wall, they had to come off underwater, nice streamline. And we put a marker halfway down the pool. They were only allowed two strokes once they surfaced and we looked for winners mm -hmm. and um you know some of these kids that maybe had bad attitudes last week boy my walls are really good and i won that little contest hopefully that translates over to getting back into enjoying the sport and you know mm -hmm. um you know getting faster swims again one day at a time one day at a time <laughs> one day at a time um uh, you know a few more questions here for you. Is there any recommendation, I guess, that to an athlete, how to shift your mindset to allow yourself to become more successful as an athlete? A lot of times I feel like people let that self-doubt creep into their mind and they, you know, they don't, maybe they don't envision themselves as this, you know, 459, 500 freestyle swimmer because of their age or something like that. How do you... I mean, what do you recommend for them to shift that mindset to allow them to become successful? Well, I, I, I try to have the kids think about think about their goals, you know, their times, you know, uh, maybe college swimming, you know, their high school swimming. They're, di they're different things that the kids really enjoy still, even if they, they've checked out in, in, on, you know, on, on, in one aspect of their life as far as maybe the club team or something. They still love their summer team. They, like the, most kids, that swimming starts with their summer team. That gets them to swim year-round. Mm -hmm. um, I try to get them to think about um, that swimming helps you maintain a, a really a positive, a positive balance in life. You know, it's more than just 
fast times in the pool. Okay, You're, you swim your whole life, you develop certain skills like time management and organizational skills to translate into makes you a better student. Okay, your grades, you know, I, I, I thought there was a study once where, you know, of, of all athletes at the high school level, swimmers were the best student athletes out there. You know, I still remember you, you know, it's, you know, you had a, uh, you had a Spanish project due on a Wednesday. And, uh, you know, you or, or it was doing on a Tuesday and you, you were doing it on Sunday. I'm thinking, why are you doing it on Sunday? Well, but Dad, I got to go to bed early on Monday night to get up Tuesday morning for morning practice. So I can't do it tomorrow. I got to do it today. So you knew when to do You, you didn't wait to the last second to do things. So that's sort of your, your time management skills. And it opens doors to success in life, whether it's being a successful student at school, um, getting a college scholarship possibly. A lot of these kids... It doesn't have to be just a Division One school. A lot of these kids, you know, even if it's on a scholarship, swimming I, I have found has been integral as far as, you know, getting the kids acclimated to college life. If you're on the swim team, it's it's a great social group. In fact, 40 years after I swam at Towson, I still get together at least once every other month to have dinner with uh, some of my former teammates and we, 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 yeah, we've attended each other's weddings and some of our, our kids' weddings and things like that and other, other life events. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, but uh, swimming, it, it, it's a life skill, you know. It's a life skill, um, you know, just knowing how to swim and uh, it transfers over to, to lots of things in life. Would you say that's been pretty much your biggest takeaway from coaching? I'd say that that'd be that was my biggest takeaway. You basically, you develop a healthy, a healthy life in general. You brought up your, you know, former Towson medley relay and your former teammates and stuff like that. And it's, it's growing up seeing that in my life, it was like, okay, that's what I want out of my college swimming career, and it's cool to you know have the beginnings of those relationships that I know are now going to last for years and years right, to come. Right, right. What's your final piece of advice for that next generation of athletes? I tell you what, you know, without getting all complicated, I say, have fun. If you're not enjoying it, why are you doing this? You know, are you doing it you know, because your parents are making you do it here? You need to enjoy the sport, okay? Have fun. Enjoy your time in the water. Stick with it. As I've said before, the sport of swimming is a long game. As one coach once told me, if you work, you know, talking about, about kids, if you work hard and be patient, your time will come. You know, you may not have success at the age of 10, but maybe at 12 or 14, you know, depending, you know, you get a little growth spurt, you know, you've, you know, hard work, it will pay off. Okay. And remember, every day is a new day. I think you you summed it up perfectly there. And they offered a lot of really good insights. So, Dad, thanks for coming on. I it's appreciate been... the time. Oh, I know you're a busy man now in retirement. <laughs> it's, been, it's been fun, uh, you know, doing this with you. Thank you all so much for tuning in for that conversation with my dad. He has a lot of experience at all levels, but what seems to be consistent across the board is athletes need to be able to enjoy what they're doing 
while still giving a 100% effort each opportunity that they have. Not an easy balance, but most of the guests we have featured this year seem to have made it work for them. If you haven't done so already, send this episode to a friend, family member, or someone else who you might think benefits from its message. This will be our final episode of the year as we take some time off to fully enjoy the holidays and work on getting some new awesome perspectives for you to hit 2020 hard. Happy holidays to all you out there, and however you celebrate, take the time to be present in the moment and really enjoy the company of those surrounding you. See you all in 2020.